At 10am on the 27th of July 1953, an armistice to end the Korean War's three years of hostilities was signed by the leaders of North Korea, two American generals on behalf of the United Nations Command and representatives of the Chinese People's Volunteer Army. The armistice is expressed to be the precursor to a final peace deal. But 70 years later, that still hasn't happened. Over 17,000 Australians served during the Korean War with over 1,200 wounded and 340 killed. And Australian forces stayed in Korea in the International Peacekeeping Force until 1957. The Korean War is sometimes described as the Forgotten War, and that is a mission that the Korean War Legacy Foundation seeks to reverse. Jong-woo Han is a former political science professor at Syracuse University, New York, and the founder and president of the Korean War Legacy Foundation. Jong-woo Han, welcome to Sunday Extra. Great to be with you, Julian. This is a week for remembering the end of a war, as I said, often described as the Forgotten War. It is a fascinating and complicated story, so I realise this is a tough question uh, to begin with. But could you give us a, a snapshot of how the Korean War began folding out of the end of the Second World War? Yes, the alliance between the United States and the Soviet Union for the uh, World War II actually ended in disaster in the Korean Peninsula because they wanted to end the war with Japan as easy as possible and so that the Soviet Union was invited to the Korean Peninsula to uh, enforce the surrender of the Japan. But unfortunately, there was actually hand, uh, resulted in the division of the Korea, Korean Peninsula, not the Japan. Japan was the Axis power. Korea was the just colony. But, you know, Germany was divided out of the World War II, right? But the Korea has nothing to do with World War II was divided. And then the new era began, the communism versus the free capitalism. Mm. And Korean Peninsula was the first victim, and that's how the Korean War broke out. Uh, the, uh, the end of the Korean War, basically, as I said, was expressed as an armistice. Uh, how did that armistice come about, and why was it that the South Korean forces weren't a party to that agreement? Yeah, because the... Uh, the China and North Korea and the UN forces were the only three parties that actually signed the armistice and South Korean uh, forces and even the country itself was not represented in that uh, the, the agreements and that's still be part of the uh, the legacy of the Korean War that uh, still the UN forces representing in the borderline of the Red Parallel and Demilitarized Zone. And that is one of the reasons that the Korean Peninsula has been the victim of superpowers. You're the founder of the Korean War Legacy Foundation, and based on its website, the foundation seems genuinely committed to acknowledging the many different perspectives on the Korean War, both within Korea, in the US, and also in Russia and China. For example, could you tell us uh, about the work of the Chinese historian uh, Shen Hua and what light that's shed on some questions about the history of the Korean War? Um, 
the, the Korean War Legacy Foundation website has about 1,500 of Korean War veterans from all 22 countries, including Germany, for their contributions for the healing of Korean women and children after the war for five years. Half, uh, one quarter million people were healed. But we don't have Chinese veterans interview there, except the one, the letters from the Chinese veteran who were in the Korean War through the students that I used to have work with in the Syracuse University. So we really hope that we can have also other voices from the country that in the side of the uh, communist country, including China and North Korea, and also other former East European countries that were part of the North Korean alliances during the Korean War. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Jong-woo Han, founder of, and president of the Korean War Legacy Foundation. Um, Jong-woo, on the, the website, your organisation says that newfound mutual respect became one of the most important of the Korean War's unintended consequences. C- can you help us uh, understand what you mean by that statement? Could you repeat that, please? Uh, The newfound mutual respect, and I think it's between uh, Korea or South Korea and uh, America, became one of the most important of the Korean War's unintended consequences. Yes, because before the Korean War, if you look at the encountering history between U.S. and Korea in general, you can see that there was a treaty signed in 1882, peace, and, and the, in 1882, treaty was ignored by the United States in 1905 when the President Theodore Roosevelt actually negotiating with the Japanese Prime Minister Katsura, represented by his War Secretary Taft, that Korea would be given to Japan in 1905 and finally become the colony in 1910 of Japan. And until 1945, when Korea was liberated from the Japanese colonial control by the end of World War II, Korea again was divided. But ironically and ridiculously, when the Korean War broke out and about 36,700 U.S. soldiers were shedding their blood, and after that, their relationship was revolutionary transformed as an ally. In 1953, U.S. and Korea signed the uh, military alliances together, and that alliance is one of the most unique form of alliances that need, need not to be renewed. When we consider the alliance between U.S. and Japan and U.S. and U.K., they are supposed to be renewed every 10 years, for example. But the alliances between U.S. and Korea is permanent in some sense. So that when I see this short history of the encountering relationship between U.S. and Korea, the Korean War serves as the watershed before the relationship was not mutually respectful and reciprocal. Now they uh, form one of the most strongest allies, alliances between these two countries. So that in my book, 
uh, Metamorphosis of U.S.-Korea Relations uh, released last year, actually talking about those points that the Korean War served as the major watershed in the relations between these two countries, the United States of America and the Republic of Korea. Yes, and the the building and transformation of modern South Korea is a truly extraordinary story. Uh, Jong-woo, what's your sense of the way perceptions of the Korean War have evolved in your country, uh, America, uh, and also in Korea over recent decades as we approach the 70th anniversary of the armistice? That's an excellent question. Um, if you uh, listen to the interviews that my foundation has over 1,500, you will see that the, the U.S. soldiers actually didn't know anything about Korea. 99.99% of them, they didn't even know where Korea was. And when they arrived in Korea, the Korea was miserable. That's what they're saying. It was smelly and it was miserable, nothing vertically standing at the time. And when they left, when I asked them to see if Korea would become like this today, they said no. Almost everybody said no because it was so miserable. And when they got back to the United States, they actually wanted to forget about the war because that war was not victorious at the time that the armistice was signed. And they were busy. They were, they were busy with their life when they got back from the Korea so that they wanted to forget. That's how I think the Korean War has been named as a forgotten war. Hmm. But if you look at the outcome, now South Korea is 10th largest economy in the world and one of the most substantive democracy, actually, not just in the East Asian area uh, region, but in the world. It's just something very good came out of it. Despite that, in American history curriculums and our educational system, the place of Korean War is so minimal. And that's what we are trying to challenge it. The reality is the Korean War and actually the situations in the Korean Peninsula right now, the front confrontation continuing, never-ending confrontation between South and North, and now U.S. and China colliding against each other again. And that's how it started from the Korean War. So the place of Korean War in world history and the history of humanity has to be reconsidered. And only way that we can do this is to through the education. We need to produce the curriculum from directly representing the voice of uh, veterans from 22 countries and working with history teachers. That's how we can actually keep the legacy of the Korean War, which has been really ignored and forgotten. Look at it. The, the average age of the Korean War veterans now 92 in the American context, but all other Allied forces, the average age is much higher because they were professional, not drafted, right? So that there will be a no, soon there will be no Korean War veterans. How are we going to keep the legacy? Mm -hmm. And that is our goal that we need to keep their witness as a oral history and artifactual history and working with the history teacher. That's why I'm going to visit 
Australia in October to participate in the history associations of uh, the associations of history teachers in Australia and to talk about this. Well, we very much look forward to that. And certainly I can say as someone who was looking at the Korean War Legacy Foundation's website for the first time, it really is a powerful and informative resource that hopefully does do some of that work of um, reminding people of the significance and um, the extraordinary uh, achievements of South Korea. Jong-woo Han, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Extra today. Great to be with you, Julian. And Thank we look you. forward to seeing you in Australia later on in the year. That's Jong-woo Han, former political science professor at Syracuse University in New York and the founder and president of the Korean War Legacy Foundation. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.